Amen. Please remain standing and hear the word of the Lord. I'll be preaching this morning through the book of Psalms. You'll be standing for a while. I won't read all the Psalms right now. I'll let you sit down. Just one verse, though. Just one verse. 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 1. These are the words of God. Now, these are the last words of David. Thus says David, the son of Jesse. Thus says the man raised up on high, the anointed one of the God of Jacob and the sweet psalmist. Of Israel. Thus, God's word, let's ask his blessing. Heavenly Father, as we turn to the book of Psalms again, we pray for a renewed and deeper understanding of why you have given this songbook to your church, what you require of us, and what it is you are providing us with. Do so that even now we might find ourselves drawn ever closer to you as your spirit takes your word and causes it to dwell deep in our hearts. To the glory of the name of Jesus our Lord, amen. Please be seated. Well, greetings. I bring you greetings from multiple churches all over the nation and all over the world. Uh, we gathered in Moscow. There were um, uh, over 100. There's over 100 member churches. I'm not exactly sure what the number is. And then dozens of candidate and mission churches and other interested um, men that uh, have churches that are just checking out the CREC. Um, had the privilege of meeting many people and, and greeting uh, old friends now for, they've been friends for decades. Um, I sat down with Marek, you might, Marek is one of the pastors in Poland at, at, on Tuesday for lunch and as I gathered, um, there were two gentlemen sitting ne next to him. They told me they're from Norway and they were coming to, to, to check out the uh, the, the CREC. They wanted to find out about the CREC. And I said, well, we, we, you, how, did you, how did you end up here? And they, they, they told me and they said, now we're, we're flying out of Seattle on Sunday and we wondered if, if uh, you knew any good churches in, in Seattle that we could worship at. <laughs> and so I told Kenneth and Bjornar, my two new friends here, that yeah, I did know a church. And in fact, if they didn't care for the sermon halfway, they could just go across the parking lot and find another church as well. <laughs> that's in the CREC. There's CREC churches everywhere here, I said. It's just like every corner. <laughs> so um, we were able to invite them and be with us this weekend. They ended up coming on the right weekend and joining you all for Heidelfest. You might have had a chance to meet them. If you didn't, they're here. They'll be leaving for the airport afterwards. Please come and tell them what a wonderful church this is, how friendly the CREC is, and how, why they should be a part and join with us uh, in, this, in this great endeavor. Uh, great to have you. Um, with us and visiting. So as I, as I said, I, we're going to kind of do a quick overview of the book of Psalms. The reason I, I, I do this is um, regularly uh, over the years I have picked up and, and uh, preached through 10 Psalms um, as we continue learning and singing the Psalms. Uh, we, we'll, we'll be studying Psalms 51 through 60 over the next several weeks. And, and as, we, as we prepare to do that for our study, for a med meditation and edification, I want to continue to consider the relevancy of singing the psalms, the relevancy of singing the psalms for every believer and in every circumstance. It was 37 years ago that we helped to start a church in Annapolis, Maryland, uh, and I had, as a, as a budding musician, helped to put together a, um, a worship band that did praise uh, choruses. And uh, I, I served there for over 10 years in the, using the contemporary Christian um, uh, songs of the day. And, and it was very successful in many ways in, in, in seeing people who were interested come, uh, come to church and come to the Lord. As I served there for uh, over 10 years, one of the things that we said is we wanted to be relevant. There's, a, there's, there's one problem with being relevant. Uh, whenever you're relevant, you're only relevant for a, a few weeks or a few months and and then you're not relevant anymore. You gotta do something new now to do something relevant. I noticed that um, as we would be looking to choose songs for worship, both with regard to the, uh, the gravitas of the music itself, but also with regard to the words and the lyrics that most of the, of the songs that were being written in were, in, it, in their attempts to be relevant, uh, ended up being rather pithy, simple, and, and would get worn out. It was, it was like uh, 
Um, it, it, I don't know how much this happens today in, in, in modern pop music, but uh, when I was growing up, you, you always would listen to the top 40. You'd find out who the top 40 is in, in popular music, and there'd be a new song that would come out, and it would be the greatest song. Everybody loved it, and, and they would play it over at every radio station you turned to. This is back before Spotify and being able to choose your own music. You, you'd listen to the radio station, and you'd hear the same song over and over, and you loved it, and you loved it, and, and about three to nine months later, you couldn't stand it anymore. It just wore out. Relevancy is not the goal. The worship of God is the goal and learning what God would have us sing to him, what he would have us proclaim. And sure enough, as we began, um, as I came here in 1999 and the church here was singing hymns at the time, but I had found out about singing from the Psalter. And I, I, when, we, when we came to the church, they said, would you teach us the Psalter? Would you teach us singing from the Psalter? So we began learning the songs. And, and psalm by psalm, we have been adding the singing of the psalms into our, into our worship service. And as we do so, regularly, when visitors come, when people come and join the church, there's a, a regular comment, um, usually a positive comment about, boy, the congregation really sings. We can hear you singing. We're oftentimes at churches where people are just standing there, kind of listening to the group up front, but they're not participating. And we've been talking about the importance of, as a congregation, bringing the Word of God in, in prayer and in song through the Psalms to the Lord, that we're all responsible. You're the choir. You're the choir before the, before the Lord as we sing. But secondly, they would also say, but they're really hard, really hard to learn. And, and some of them are really odd. I've never heard this kind of style before. And that's because of, of what we've done in terms of choosing and selecting the kinds of psalms that are fitting, that, that have music that are fitting to them. And looking back to, to those who um, were, were far wiser, I'm going to show you this in the scriptures, far wiser than us thinking musically about using the psalms in worship. So, just because it's harder, just because it's a challenge, doesn't mean it, it might not be actually the best, the, the, the best choices to be made in terms of what God would have us to be singing. So I really want to consider the relevancy of singing the Psalms for every believer, and as we, as we learn as we go through the Psalter, in every circumstance. It is this conviction which has, which has driven us to seek the recovery of singing of the psalms in our corporate worship and then to give them to you um, as, as for families and individuals in their, in their times of prayer and devotions. People are welcome to take a Cantus Christi with them and have one. You can, you can then order you know, as many as you, you need in your home to, 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 uh, to have there to be singing. We have apps to help you learn um, the songs and listen to them. And now with YouTube and Spotify, you can find these songs everywhere and, and, and begin to become more and more familiar with them. And that's what we want to give to you. We want to give them to you so that they're, they're not just sung here, but they're sung in your heart. They're sung regularly. We were working at the last... Um, at the last psalm sing on, on a new song that we've been now singing, we sang it this morning, Psalm 52. And it's kind of angular, isn't it? It's kind of different. It's not, it, it doesn't grab you right away. And, and someone asked me to, uh, could, you, could we do the third line a couple times? I'm, I'm not getting it right. And so we, we did it over and over four or five times to make sure that you had that. And then I warned them. I said, now here's the problem. Um, whether you like this psalm yet or not, whether you like that tune or not, I promise you that is going to stick in your head now. And sure enough, at least in our house, I've noticed, you all, all of a sudden you're going, dun, 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 You don't even know what you're singing. It's like, oh, that's that Psalms 52. Chosen rightly, chosen rightly, written, written rightly, these psalms, these, the music that we're choosing is, is the kind that does stick with you. It's, it's like good meat to the bones. And it's worth, so it's worth giving yourself to it. Um, I, I, liken, I, I liken the difference to, to some of the, the contemporary music of our day to, to um, like candy, sweet and easy to enjoy and dissolves and is gone quickly. And, and then oft, oftentimes some of the psalms that we're learning, some of the types of music that we're learning are like a, um, a, a very good gourmet meal that you don't like the first time you taste. You've got to grow up into it. You've got to get used to it a little bit. And then you find that it is rich and filling and, and satisfying in a way that candy can't be.
And I think that that is, that is one of the ways for us to think about this. When Paul writes in Colossians 3.16 to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, he says to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with all wisdom. And how do we get that to dwell in us with wisdom? He says, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So with grace and thanksgiving, with the knowledge of the work of Jesus Christ in your hearts, in your family's lives, we're told that we grow in wisdom as we sing and teach and admonish one another, which means that when we're singing psalms, it's not just about you and your little heart with the Lord. God wants you to use these words to teach and admonish one another. He wants you singing louder than your neighbor so your neighbor hears you. He wants you singing with understanding so, so that we're, we're teaching and admonishing one another as we do so. He says to teach and admonish one another, and then he says with, with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now, um, that has been in, in, in the, this, these last generations been interpreted to mean psalms, like, like some psalm maybe snippets or verses from the Psalter, uh, and then hymns like, you know, How Great Thou Art or something like that, and then spiritual songs like, the, like a, um, a praise chorus of some sort. And that must mean what he means. Those are those genres. Well, that's not what Paul meant at all. The, the words psalms, hymns, and spirit songs are, are, are words that, that title the various psalms throughout the book of Psalms. So, for instance, the song of ascents, we still see that the song of ascents is the same word that Paul is using when he describes singing songs. And then um, hymnus uh, uh, and, and, uh, and then the, and the psalter, these psalms are also, those are titles of, the, of various songs within the psalms. So he's talking about the whole psalter uh, when he says that. That's not to say um, that, that there aren't other songs to be sung or that we don't have wonder, wonderful other hymns or, or, even, um, or even praise choruses to sing. It just means that it means our bread and butter needs to come from the Psalter itself. Interestingly, there's a parallel passage in Ephesians that matches Colossians. And in that passage in Ephesians, he, we're, we're told not only that uh, we are to, uh, to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly with, with, t uh, with uh, singing, but in Ephesians 5, this kind of singing is, 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 um, is spiritual in the work of, these are, these are the Spirit's words, and he uses them in us, Paul writes, to do things within us. He writes in Ephesians 5, 18 and 19, do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. There's a work to be done by the Spirit who uses the Word of God in our hearts to dwell in us with all wisdom. And it causes us, it, he, he refreshes us, he gives us the ability to express all of our emotions, all of what's going on in life, and declare his victory through the words of the psalms, through the words of the Psalter. And so we are told, in, instead, of, instead of being controlled by liquor, be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Let him take control over you in the singing of psalms, in speaking hymns and psalms to one another, and doing so, making melody in your heart before the Lord. So psalm singing is, is to be delightful. It's to be militant. It's to be life-changing, life-renewing. It's to be the kind of thing that gives us the opportunity individually and as a church to reflect on all the works of our mighty, mighty God. So what, what happens is, what the, uh, as we go through the Psalms, we find all kinds of, of, of varied material. Sometimes we're singing to God. Sometimes God's singing to us. The, the words of the Psalms also oftentimes are God's words singing to us. So, so why do we sing those words? Well, because you're the body of Christ. And you're the body of Christ singing to the members of the congregation. Sometimes it's, a, it's a historical events to be remembered that God wants you to remember. Sometimes it's pouring out your heart in, with tears and lament. Sometimes it's, it's arguing with God to, to wake up and take care of our problems. These are all reflections of the kinds of songs that God gives to us and says, sing them, sing them to me, sing them to one another, sing them from your heart. Trust me, learn to trust me more as you sing them to me. The majority of the Psalms are attributed to David, or during his reign. Um, in fact, all of Psalms 51 through 60 that we'll be going through are attributed to David. And David, we know, is a type of Christ, who is called the son of David, 
Christ is known as the son of David. And this, as the son of David, he is the fulfillment of the prophecy of the return of David, as it says in the book of Ezekiel, to the throne, to the everlasting throne of the kingdom. So when we're, when we're reading the Psalms of David, we're reading the Psalms of one who was the prophet of Christ and who was, uh, and who was the shadow of who Christ would be, of the Christ that would come. This means that these words that we're reflecting on are, are of course, you, you could think of them as the words of Christ as well. Uh, how many of you have in your, your Bible, in the New Testament, you have a red letter edition? You know, that's when Jesus speaks, um, which actually, actually there's some sections that we're not exactly sure that was Jesus or the commentator from the gospel. But someone came up with the idea a century or two ago to, to make a red letter edition of the Bible. I, I don't know why they didn't make all of the Psalms then a red letter edition. These are the words of Christ. These are the words of the son of David. Well, of course, if it, if the whole Bible is in essence, isn't it? The inspired word of God by the, by, by the, by the work of the Holy Spirit. And so don't, don't think of the words of the Psalms as something distant from Christ. That's my point. Don't think of the words of the Psalms as distant from Christ. Do you want to know Christ? Do you want to know what he thinks? Do you want to know what he weeps over? Do you want to know what he argues with the Father for? Do you want to know what he wants us to remember, what he wants to speak to us? The Psalms are filled with that kind of language to us, the language of Jesus. But I think it's also important to consider who David was as we think about singing, as we think about um, offering up our praise to God. Who was David, this great psalmist, as, as it's written in at the end of Samuel, the sweet psalmist of Israel, the sweet psalmist of Israel? Well, this sweet psalmist was a mighty, valiant warrior. He was a mighty, valiant warrior. Danny, are you here? Is, that, is he here this morning? There he is. He would have won the strongman competition. He would have taken you, man. David was a valiant warrior. Um, Of course, our favorite story of him, our favorite story of him is as a a young lad. All all the kids love this, the boys particularly. This is the story. And what I want to do is I want to, this is a guy who sings, right? He sings. But as a young lad, he takes on the great Goliath, the great Goliath. And, he, and we're told that he, he takes up no armor, he takes up no sword, he, he just gets five smooth stones, and he goes and takes one of those stones and he slings it into, and strikes the forehead of Goliath, and he falls down dead, blood pouring out all from his skull. But that's not enough. Then David, this mighty warrior, he's, he, we're told he slew, he slew Goliath. But then he goes, and he doesn't have a sword, so he goes and gets Goliath's sword. He takes it out of his sheath, and it says he cuts off his head and kills Goliath. He kills Goliath twice. First, he hits him in the head, knocks him down, and the Bible says he slew him. Then he takes takes out the sword, and he cuts off his head, and he he slays Goliath. That's, That's the story of a psalm singer. Later, David would defend himself and his people against many enemies by means of his armed forces. He was a great military man and saw many great victories as he protected God's people and obeyed God's command to take the land. Many psalms reflect the militant work of this, of this soldier. Um, now, if you have a Bible, I, I'm going I'm to start flipping through Psalms. I want to show you many examples. So if you get your Bible out, or, um, in, or, or you can just listen and, and later on take a look at these. But Psalm 144, those of you who are familiar with Saving Private Ryan know these verses. Maybe you, you didn't even know they were here until you saw that movie. Psalm 144, the sniper is aiming um, to, to take down the, the enemy. And as he aims, he mutters from Psalm 144, Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. Now, that's all he says, I think, if if I recall right in that. But he goes on, the psalmist, David, this is a psalm of David, My loving kindness and my fortress, my high tower and my deliverer, my shield and the one in whom I take refuge. 
So in the, in the greatest times of battle, David is remembering that God has trained me for war, that God is my shield and my tower, that I do not need to be afraid as he strikes the enemy. But not only do we see this, this warfare, that, in this work of a military soldier, of, of the enemies out there, but even with regard to the enemy, the enemy within ourselves. Psalm 140 is also of David. And listen, um, the, the, as, as David writes, he says, Deliver me, O Lord, from evil men. Preserve me from violent men who plan evil things in their hearts. They, continue, they continually gather together for war. They sharpen their tongues like a serpent. The poison of asps is under their lips. Keep me, O Lord, from the hands of the wicked. Preserve me from the violent men who have, who have purpose to make my steps stumble. Stumble. The proud have hidden a snare for me and cords. They have spread a net by the wayside. They have set traps for me. He says, I said to the Lord, you are my God. Hear the voice of my supplications, O Lord. O God, the Lord, the strength of my salvation. You've covered my head in the day of battle. Do not grant, O Lord, the desires of the wicked. Do not further his wicked scheme, lest they be exalted. He finishes, I know that the Lord will maintain the cause of the afflicted and justice for the poor. Surely the righteous shall give thanks to your name. The upright shall dwell in your presence. So with the idea of enemies coming against him, he cries out. There's other, there, there's other ones particularly where he, 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 he makes the comment with regard to keeping him from his own sin and delivering him from his own struggles. Paul teaches us that our weapons are not carnal but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. He says in 2 Corinthians 10, he says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. So as Christians, our fight is not against flesh and blood. With regard to advancing the kingdom and putting down the enemies of God, we are not called to take up arms of a carnal nature. But we are given mighty weapons for the taking down of unbelief. And, it's, and it's, it, it's, it's in the prayers of God's people. And, it, and the prayers of God's people include the singing of the Psalms against the enemies of God. I, I think 25 years ago, um, I, 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 didn't think, I, I didn't think that we had enemies, we in our day and our age and among our people so much, as I do now. The enemies are rising up. And we learn from the Psalms how to sing against the enemies of God and against his people and against his ways. The Psalms are given to us to, to, as Paul writes, to cast down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. The church is to have a militant aspect to it. The church is to have a militant aspect to it. And the Psalms provide such a mindset. It's, it, and, and so this is part of what we realize. As we begin singing the Psalms, we begin to see a change in kind of the ethos of, of, our, of our people and, and, a, and, and the sense of, in, in the sense of our, even our emotions in, in the singing of the Psalms. It, it becomes less directed towards just my simple experience with the Lord, but a sense of what is God's kingdom about? Where is it going? And, and, and that doesn't, you don't think necessarily that's what I'm supposed to be singing about, but as you, as you sing the Psalms, you find that's exactly what God would have us to be singing before him. So David was this mighty warrior, and it's showing forth in the Psalms. But not only that, he was a man given to poetic praise. Being a military man, David was no wimp, but he was not afraid of loving, writing, and singing poetry. So even in, back in Psalm 144, this, this psalm that talks about his steady hands for war and to bring down the enemies, he also writes, I will sing a new song to you, O God. On a harp of ten strings I will sing praises to you. The one who gives salvation to kings, who delivers David his servant from the deadly sword. This is one who's gonna, who's, who, who, who delivers his praise to God with a harp of strings and then takes out a bow and shoots arrows at the bad guys. He does both. He does both. You know that David, when he's writing psalms, sometimes when he's writing psalms, they are alphabetical. You can't see it in the English, but it's there in the Hebrew. 
And, and so, so many of the Psalms are written, so he begins with the first verse, and it's basically the letter A, Aleph in, in Hebrew. And, and the, that verse begins with that letter. And then the next verse begins with the letter B. And then the next verse begins with the letter C. We don't have the kind of rhyming that we're used to, but there are other patterns that are put into the Psalms where you can see that, that he's carefully um, thinking through and writing these beautiful words that God, will, God uses uh, in the hearts of his, of his kingdom people, generation after generation after generation. Thoughtful writing. The Psalms are first for de- developing a life of praise. For real religion is God-centered, God-focused, transfixed, and enraptured with God. Psalm 145, I will extol you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. So you hear the psalmist extolling God, first of all, and then turning and telling everybody else, great is the Lord. And greatly to be praised. He needs more voices. He he needs it to be louder. Turn it up for him. If you read all Psalm 145, it seems to go like that. Hence, David was known as a man after God's own heart. If, If we were to understand who David was as a man after God's own heart, read the Psalms. Read the Psalms and see how this man chased after the heart of God longed to be with the heart of God and gave himself to the heart and purposes of God. But David was also, um, he wasn't living up in the clouds. He wasn't living always up in victory. Life was hard. Life was hard for David. Like life is hard for you. And so David also oftentimes is writing the kinds of psalms that we should be singing, lamenting, weeping, crying out to God. It does not reflect a rose-colored, sappy, nothing-ever-goes-wrong nothing approach to praise at all. The Psalms are full of honesty, honest doubt, honest lament, honest cursing, full of personal and communal sorrow, disorientation, and feelings of abandonment. Ever, ever felt abandoned by God? Ever doubted whether or not he was hearing your prayers? Like they're just bouncing off the ceiling? Well, turn with me to Psalm 10. Why do you stand afar off, O Lord? Why do you hide in times of trouble? The wicked in his pride persecute the poor. Let them be caught in the plots which they have devised. For the wicked boasts of his heart's desire. He blesses the greedy and renounces the Lord. The wicked in his proud countenance does not seek God. God is in none of his thoughts. His ways are always prospering. Your judgments are far above, out of his sight. As for all his enemies, he sneers at them. He has said in his heart, I shall not be moved. I shall never be in adversity. His mouth is full of cursing and deceit and oppression. Under his tongue is trouble and iniquity. He's like, why are you letting them get away with this, God? Psalm 13, how long, O Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul? Now, note, David is writing a psalm to God, right? He's writing a psalm to God, and he's he's saying to God, aren't you listening? (laughs) But he's speaking to God. He's directing it to God. And, And oftentimes, here's what happens. We're doubting God. We're angry at God. We're frustrated with God's plans as we see them, and so we go talk to somebody else about them. The psalmist teaches us is go directly to God and take your complaints. Go directly to God and take your concerns and your doubts. Go directly to God, and as you, especially as you sing, sing through or think through a, a psalm like uh, Psalm 13, it's, it's short, so let me continue on. Verse 3, consider and hear me, O Lord, my God, enlighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed against him. Lest those who trouble me rejoice when I am moved. And then it's like he hears God's answer. He re- he's reminded himself in the midst of this complaint, and so he ends it. But I have trusted in your mercy. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Psalm 74 is similar. 
We're told to sing these as well, and we learn how to pour out our fears, our doubts, and our complaints to God. And, and I will say, let, let me also remind you, when you aren't doubting, when you're not in a position of, of, of complaining towards God, and then we're singing that psalm, you shouldn't check out because we're supposed to be teaching and admonishing one another. Someone here is complaining. Someone here is having a difficult time trusting God. And what you're doing as we join to sing together, we're singing to them as well. We're, we're grabbing a hold of them and saying, remember what God says. Remember what God says to sing. And so, just like uh, Paul says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And as we do so together, the, the, the singing of the Psalms then corporately lifts up these prayers, these requests, these complaints, these questions, and the praise and trust in God over and over again. David was also a shepherd, and a shepherd is one who cares for his sheep, and that becomes a motif all throughout the scriptures of, of what a pastor is to do for his people. He'd been a shepherd, and he knew what it was that the Lord, uh, that, that the Lord was his good shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We can sing that, can't we? In fact, most of you now can sing that entire psalm, word perfect. We do a number of different kinds of psalms. One of the kinds of, of psalm, the music that we sing, uh, similar to what we sang both with 127 earlier and also 133, where we are, we're, we're following the psalm word for word from an English translation. And it's been set to a, a tune that doesn't necessarily go like we are used to, verse and chorus, verse and chorus. Uh, it doesn't have the, the rhyming sensation that we're used to in, in, in our singing. But instead, it's following the words to, to music set so that we sing all the way through. And you, and even more so your children, will memorize psalm after psalm after psalm that way. Word perfect if you give yourself to singing these psalms. And then you can talk about them with your kids. And you can go back to them and, and, and refer to them. They become wonderful teaching tools. You're putting God's word in your heart directly with that. Give yourself to learning those through composed psalms. So the psalms often sing of God's loving kindness and protection and provision. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you with me. Right before all my enemies, you set, set a table. Protection, provision care, shepherding. So David was a warrior. He was a poet. He was honest before God. He was a great shepherd. He was a very good musician. He was such a good musician that when Saul, the king, the king of Israel, was, I, it was something was going on. He was having these depressing, depressing fits of some sort. And he needs to be comforted. And he's told, there is a great musician, David, David, the son of Jesse, go get him, go get him. And so they, they bring David into the courts, and when, when these evil spirits, these fits would come upon Saul, David would play from his harp and calm Saul. The spirits would go away, and he'd be able to rest. So the songs that David sang set men who were in, in terrible fits at rest, at peace. What are you to learn from that? Well, these psalms are, are, are balm for our souls then, for our tired souls, for our, uh, for our souls that, that can't rest, can't find a moment of rest. Don't wait until you find a moment of rest to begin singing the psalms. Don't wait until you want to sing the psalms, until you sing the psalms. Sing the psalms to change your heart, to change your soul, to change your mind, to refocus where you are. Those of you who might remember um, the Hyanks, the Hyanks were here um, and served us as musicians, had a number of kids, and um, Joe told me one time, um, those of you who know Psalm 68 know that it's one of the longest ones that we sing. And he said that one of the things that they would do in their home is when everybody got a little bit out of sorts, you know, you know what that's like when you've got multiple kids and many of them are kind of all getting out of sorts, he would say, okay, everybody in, everybody in the kitchen. And, we're, and then he said, we're all singing Psalm 68. And he would give no more instruction than that. And he said, you know what? By the time we ended that psalm, things had changed. Attitudes had changed. A work had been done. Singing the psalms changes attitude. Singing the psalms redirects the mind, redirects your spiritual eyes. It's the work of the Spirit through those psalms that changes us. So, 
David wrote wonderful music. Unfortunately, we don't have any of that music. We, 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 have, uh, we have just the words. Um, and, and I think God, what God has invited us to do is to find skilled musicians like David and like David did. So, so David found um, he, the, the people that wrote music with him were, were skilled musicians full of wisdom. Um, if you were to compare 1 Kings 4, that, um, 31, lists a number of men who are not quite as wise, but they're listed as the wise men along with Solomon. They included Ethan, the Ezraite, and Haman. Well, in 1 Corinthians 15, those two men are mentioned as the singers, as the singers in the tabernacle, and the ones who wrote, and um, it says they would, they would also uh, lift the sounds of the, of the bronze cymbals would be, would be lifted up. They were the guys that hit the cymbals. They were the guys who wrote the music um, for, the, for the psalms. They were the wisest of men. And uh, Psalm 33 says that we are to sing to the Lord skillfully. Psalm 33 says, Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise from the upright is beautiful. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make melody to him with an instrument of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. We are to learn to, to, to be players of instruments. I want to encourage, encourage you to take up instruments and learn to play, learn, learn to play them, that there will be more and more of us that know how to play well. And, and, and give the opportunity for your children to be instructed in, in playing instruments. But also, it says to all of us, to be able to sing with a shout of joy. To be able to sing with confidence. So learn to sing. Learn to read music. Uh, let, get your, give the, your children the opportunity to learn to sing and, and, and to read music. And to, sing with, and to sing parts. So there's this glorious sound of a, of a great company of witnesses lifting up the, the, the music before the Lord. God wants us... You know, now, if all you can do is chirp or mutter or, you, you know, you're just, you, you can't see, you don't know anything, God wants that. He wants it from your heart. But he also instructs us to go from where we are to something better where we are individually, and where we are corporately, and in our time, in our period. It, the, when, when, when a lot of the psalms that we sing were written in the 17th, uh, 16th and 17th century, it was, it was not uncommon for all of the family to be able to read music and to be able to sing parts. Um, and part of the reason was is because you didn't have a radio. You didn't have Spotify. If you were going to have music in the home, someone had to play it. If you were going to hear singing, someone was going to have to sing it. And there was, a, there was and, and the, you, you see this in our generation, in our culture, if you just go back 50 or 60 years to how many people were playing music and could sing and could read parts and, in ensembles and that kind of thing, to today, what could happen? It's been a huge decline. We've had the, we have the glorious opportunity of being able to uh, you know, open up our phones and listen to anything we want, but it's made us musically lazy. And it's made it difficult for us to understand that God gave you an instrument. It's called your body. And you're to learn to play it. You're to learn to play that instrument. He wants you to play that instrument and shout joyfully with it. God's given it to you. And, and none of us are allowed to say, well, but I'm not in the choir, or I'm not, I'm not much into music, or I'm not much into singing. God meets you where, we, where you are, but he calls us to be a better people. He calls us to sing to him um, with skill and loudly. The music for the Psalter was written um, during, the, the, much of the music that we sing was written during the Reformation, much of what we are doing. If you notice, we sang Psalm 52 today. That was written by a man, the music was written by a man named Schutz. He wrote all, uh, music for all 150 psalms during the German, uh, well, during the later German Reformation in the 17th century, about 100 years or, um, or, or a little bit less than Gudamel, who wrote during the time of Calvin 150 psalms for the French, um, during, the, during the French and Swiss Reformation that was taking place. These became the, the psalters that were used for centuries. 
The, later on, in, uh, among the, uh, in England, we had uh, another salt, Psalter or a number of Psalters, a Scottish Psalter and an English Psalter that were written. And we sing, we sing from all of these different styles and all these different centuries. And then these through composed Psalms are the new songs that are, are just being written. So we're, we're trying to follow along with all of these different um, well-trained and wise musicians who, are, who taught us how to sing the Psalms. So um, the modern church, though, is doing just the opposite. And it's not just that they're writing new music, because there's nothing wrong with new music. We want to write new music. We are writing some new music. We are experiencing music that's been being written just in our generation. But, there, but there's a difference in doing that that is following and learning from those who are wiser and coming before us than just doing something to follow a fad for the moment. So... Um, in, in, in fact, what's happening is, in, in the whole art world, in the whole art world of mu music and arts, we, we, we used to be, the church used to be the people that led the culture in these things. We have no culture to lead in anymore. We have to ask God to, to give, give us the ability to recover and reform a culture that then speaks to the world about not just what truth is and not just what goodness is, but what beauty is. We live in a world that cannot define what beauty is. In fact, we live in a world that demands that we not define beauty. And that's why we have the disgusting artwork. That's why we have the terrible and trite music. Because we live in a world, a postmodern world, a, a world that says there is no beauty, or beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Now, I'm willing to say beauty is in the eye of the, of the beholder, but I want you to capitalize the letter B in beholder. Beauty is in the eye of God. God is the one who has objective standards for what is beautiful and what is not. You can see it all, all through his creation. And we are to learn and imitate from that. So we need to be a people that not just are bringing the gospel to the world, but are bringing the beauty of the gospel and the beauty of our God to the world in our songs and in, in, in the art in, in our world. So our point in singing through the cantus then is not to stay where they were, just to sing the old ones, and they're, they're good because they were old. No, they're, they're, they have lasted because they're good. They've lasted because they're good, and they teach us how to then do good things, as, do good things like it. Any, any uh, student of art will tell you that if you want to become a, a good painter, what you do is you imitate the masters. You don't just go off and paint however you want. You, you imitate, you copy the, past, the, the masters, and then as you copy the masters, you learn from them to then go on and do your own. We're doing the same thing as we sing these psalms. So we've been looking at David. David also was a man not just honest before God as he, um, as he, uh, as he sung of his enemies, as he lamented, but also he was penitent. He was a repentant man. David was a type of Christ, but he was not the perfect Christ. The Psalms teach us that we do not go and get cleaned up to present ourselves to God. Rather, we come to God in honesty when we have sinned to get cleaned up. So David, after his sin with Bathsheba and the, and the plotting to have her husband killed and murdered, <coughs> repents. And Psalm 51 is given to us. It'll be the first Psalm that we look at. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. This, this psalm teaches us you don't get yourself cleaned up in order to get saved. You come to God in all your dirt, and you confess it before him. We need, we need the blood of Christ to wash our sins away, to grant us forgiveness, to reset us before him. And so, and, and constantly, we need to confess our sins to be washed and renewed before him in our fellowship. Augustine is quoted somewhere as saying that Psalm 32, David's other psalm of repentance, um, was his favorite psalm as, as, he, as he prayed this psalm. He says, in Psalm it says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered, Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. And he goes on. He says, my bones, like my bones were, were, were breaking. I kept silence. My bones grew old th through my groaning all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. 
And then I acknowledged my sin to you and my hidden iniqui- my iniquity. I've not hidden. I've told everything to you. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. And he speaks of being refreshed, and renewed, and reset as he follows the Lord. He knew that he needed God to change him. David knew he needed to trust God as well. The Psalms teach us to release our trust in anything other than God. We have a tendency to trust our finances, our pension, our good looks, our whatever to get us through. Our station in life, the networking that we have going on, rather than trusting in God. And the Psalms regularly teach us to not do that. In fact, um, to say, I trust in Jesus, remember, does not save. Trusting To say, I trust in Jesus, doesn't save. Trusting in Jesus saves. And the Psalms paint a wonderful picture of what that looks like. For instance, we sang Psalm 133, also Psalm 62. says, truly my soul silently waits for God. From him comes my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. You see, as as David speaks, he learns that he trusts, he trusts God in times where he wouldn't necessarily trust God unless he turned and remembered who God was. And as he turned to God and remembered who he was, his character, his promises, his unchanging plan, that his trust would leave other things and it would be now placed upon God. As he sings the psalms, you see this take, take place, as he writes these psalms, so that as we sing them, we would do it as well. And David was a man who was always thanking God, thanking God for everything. And he had to write songs in order to do so. It was not enough for him to just say, thanks, God. He had to write a song about it. He had to spend time writing and giving thanks to God. It, it, it probably was the kind of thing that, that kept him content in God. I remember my, when my children, as my children were growing up, when they were discontent, when, when, when their attitude was wrong, I would say, go into your room and write 50 things you're thankful to God for. And, and, and telling them to do that, what I was, wanted them to do is I wanted them to practice over and over again, not waiting until they feel thankful, but reminding themselves over and over again of what to be thankful of that they, they just hadn't remembered. And this is what David does. He's, he makes himself, he disciplines himself to give thanks over and over and over to God. And then God gives you these psalms and says, I'm not asking you whether you're thankful. I'm telling you to sing songs of thanksgiving to me. Because singing songs of thanksgiving to me will change your thankful heart, will change your heart to be more thankful. It'll make you more content. And then, of course, when you are thankful, you've got the perfect peace to sing to him. It's been given to us. Psalm 136 is one that, uh, the only psalm that has this repetition over and over and over again. Every, every verse ends with, his mercy endures forever. His mercy endures forever. He, he killed these kings. His mercy endures forever. He brought us out of the land of Egypt. His mercy endures forever. He gives us food. His mercy endures forever. It goes on and on and on. His mercy endures forever. A thankful heart cries out with this great realization, if it had not been for the Lord, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, Psalm 124. When we sing that, this should come to your mind. You know, where would we be if the Lord had not come to our aid? Where would we be as a people if the Lord had not come to our aid? It's a great, great psalm of remembrance. And so, we're talking about David, but of course, we, we can't, we talk, as we talk about David, we're speaking of Jesus and we're speaking of the gospel. The Psalms speak of David's life, but then we find that they also speak of Christ. So we're instructed to find Christ in the Psalms. And as we go through the Psalms over and over again, we're going to find that they're speaking directly of Jesus Christ's life. So as we saw in the Gospel of John, when, Jan, when, John, when Jesus hung on the cross and he cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's singing a psalm. He's probably chanting a psalm. He's, he's chanting Psalm 22. And he goes through that, and you see Psalm 22 just breaks down what's going to happen to Christ on the cross. The Psalms speak of Christ. They, they tell us about Christ. And all of a sudden, we realize these, these were the words of Christ. He was singing them. In, in Luke 24, Jesus, when he's, after he's risen from the dead, he speaks to the disciples, and he said, these are, the words that, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. Concerning me. 
So look for Christ in the Psalms. Look for Christ. The Psalms teach us that there are no Lone Ranger Christians, for so many of them require a corporate body-wide context to understand and apply. They're not just sweet little songs for just you. What's interesting, though, is at the same time, they keep us from hiding in a group, just hiding there, singing the songs, because if you, if you pay attention to the words, you're going to have to deal with your own individual heart and soul before the throne of grace as well. The Psalms are a composite of a true spiritual person, hiding none of the work of sanctification still needed, but hiding none of the honest pursuit of God either. The Psalms will regularly speak to you of your weaknesses, of your failings, of your wrongdoings, of, of what, what we should think God is, has, we have disappointed God in. And the Psalms will also teach us of God's unfailing grace and love for any who call upon him. Any who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus, any who come before him, he cleans and makes new and revives. If that composite were drawn by an artist, would it look like you? Singing, meditating, and reflecting on the Psalms, both individually and corporately, is one of God's means to conform us to the image of his son. Give yourself to reading through the Bible, but give yourself regularly as well to regularly Singing, praying, using the Psalms as an instrument of you growing. Do you want to grow closer to Christ? Do you, do you want to take every problem, every difficulty and trust Christ with it? Do you want to see the world in all, in all of its darkness, in all of its twisted events that are going all around us in light of what God is doing? Sing the Psalms with us. That's what we're finding out. The Psalms are not easy. And the music that we often choose is not easy. It has proven itself to me and to generations before me and to generations to come that it is truly, truly worth giving yourself to. So join us in learning the Psalms. Join us as we continue to meditate on them. Join us when you can for Psalm Sings to, to work on getting more and more comfortable with them. Take, make use of the apps and the, and the links that we provide for you to, to, to learn and be able to sing them. Give yourself to them and you'll find you'll be singing the words of Christ. You'll be singing with Jesus and you'll hear Jesus singing over you in them as well. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Oh God, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be made more and more like our good brother, King David. Fill us with your word that we might love, honor, obey, and trust you in every situation with every emotion. And let your word, this psalm singing, drive us to Christ and the cross and resurrection life in each one here. Be kind to renew us as we seek your face this day and every day. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's sing one of them. Stand and turn to 200.